Hey, welcome to my basement, everybody. I haven't said that in a while. I've been uh, taking a little bit of a break from Vic's Basement because I've been busy with all kinds of other stuff. But it's time to launch Vic's Basement again, and we have a great guest. This is Justin, otherwise known as Eckert's Ladder, who uh, has two YouTube channels, and I think probably a lot of you have watched his Star Wars work. That's primarily what you're known for, right, Justin? Yeah, I'd say mostly Star Wars sci-fi. I've got a secret channel as well. You guys will never find two plus one secret um, <laughs> from like 2006. If anyone can find that, I'll give you I'll give you $10. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm super happy to be here. That's I'm a all, huge uh, fan of yours, and I love the show. Oh, thanks, Matt. Well, it's great to meet you because it's the first time that we have ever connected, and we connected mm -hmm. over Twitter. And mm -hmm. it also happened to be the week that uh, uh, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga was mm. launching. And I know that that is that going to be something that you will talk about on your Star Wars channel or your gaming mm. channel? So that'll be like primarily a gaming channel thing. Um, but I, I, I imagine I, I actually didn't get this one early, so I'm kind of a little bit behind the eight ball on it. But mm -hmm. I imagine there'll be some fun bits that I can pull out there. They always throw little fun bits of lore or like maybe there'll be something. I talk a lot about spaceships, so maybe there'll be something fun involving a spaceship to break down. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get some content out of it for sure. There's so much yeah, secret stuff in that game. Mm -hmm. So many great little uh, collectibles and valuables to, oh, to find along the way. Hey, listen, this is a live show for those that are listening to this on the audio form of the podcast. Uh, and we're, we've transitioned to doing most of our live stuff on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash EPN. So join us there. We do live rundowns. I stream games all the time. I'm, I'm what's known as a variety streamer because I stream a ton <laughs> of things, uh, but that's the way I like to play. Uh, and, but we've got some uh, some folks in the chat right now, and I just want to give them a shout-out. Hollow Flower, first in the room. Great to see you. Great to see you again. My name is Goku, and Arpanchu is here. First-time chatters. I love first-time chatters from uh, Davey Jones. Uh, great work in the monkeys, my friend. Uh, and Mondo Blasto is here, and Akamuro1987, and 16-Bitten. Thank you all for joining us today. Now, uh, let's talk about Eckert's Ladder because I'm curious about the branding, the name. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? Where did, where did you come it, up with that? <laughs> that's like one of the first questions I get from most people. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It's completely meaningless. Um, I, I made the channel back in, I think, 2015 and 2016, which is why I've got the picture of the dog as my as my avatar. Yeah. I made it back then kind of it was just a it was just random words put together, basically. And I didn't know that I was going to, you know, go on to have a YouTube career. It was just a YouTube channel to, to like things and favorite things. Yeah. Um, I ended up making a few videos. I, I ended up, when I was living in Toronto for a while, my wife moved back to where I'm living now because she got a really good job offer. I had a lot of spare time. I started making these videos and it kind of snowballed from there. And now I'm stuck with a weird name and a weird dog profile <laughs> picture. Anytime I talk about changing it, people get furious. So was it uh, Star Wars all the time or did you kind of find your way to talking about that? It was it was for the first, I'd say, like six or seven months. It was Star Wars all the time. Yep. Um, and then I eventually moved to Halo uh, and then kind of kind of uh, branched out into into whatever science fiction. My kind mm. of philosophy is if I can give you something that's more interesting than just than just you know there's some people who would rather just read the wikipedia page like if i can't give you something beyond that it's not worth doing so if i've got some specialized knowledge or something or if i've got some perspective that you can't get from just reading about it then that's the stuff i like to cover in a video um i've done some weirder things i've talked about law sometimes because that's my background um 
kind of just whatever, but mainly Star Wars. That's my definitely my area of expertise. And, and when when did it really start taking off for you? When when did you realize that hey man, people are watching my stuff and and uh, I've got a business mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I was in a weird position in my life. I had just finished a contract and my wife and I, we decided we wanted to move back to Halifax. Uh, we were living in Toronto and it was uh, it was 2017. It was right before kind of The Last Jedi came out. So Star Wars was really popular. That was probably sure. the most popular Star Wars has ever been after Rogue One and after Episode 7. I'm sure you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you could put anything out with Star Wars and it would get a, you know, a million views on YouTube. So I, I kind of accidentally stumbled into this job. I didn't realize that there were other people doing this, that this was a career. I thought I was just kind of doing something interesting and unique. Lo and behold, it's this big thing. And I guess I'm here now. <laughs> That's wild. So was it a Last Jedi, you know, dissection video that you put up that no, just took off? Like, like to what talk happened? More about. Oh, sorry for cutting you off there. Yeah. Um, I actually like to talk more about the the old books and stuff. Mm. Uh, like there's, you know, forty plus years of books and comics, and uh, I do talk about like the new movies and the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, basically everything. Um, but my big focus is kind of on those old stories, which the I, EU. The EU, exactly, yeah. Uh, I, I've got to be careful because sometimes I talk about Star Wars and I mention the EU or Legends and people look at me like I've got a, another head. Mm. But yeah, so that's kind of my main focus. So I was kind of, there, there was a tidal wave alongside The Last Jedi that kind of rose all boats, including my weird Star Wars EU boat. <laughs> that's wild, man. Have you um, connected with people that maybe wrote those books or Steven Sansweet or people from um, Lucas? I've had a bit of... I've had a, I've had some kind of conversations with some of the authors um, on Twitter, like Michael Stackpole. Mm. Um, I haven't. I also I do have like a Star Wars book club podcast where we kind of go through so the cool. old books, we reread them. So I would like to get some of the authors maybe on there. I've talked to Timothy Zahn a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, just generally, pretty much anyone associated with, in my experience, with that era of Star Wars is super open to having conversations. Most of them were pretty passionate about them work about their work. Sure. Uh, it's been kind of sad because a lot of them haven't been picked up under this kind of new publishing no. uh, license, or it's not a new license, but the kind of this new generation of Star Wars books. So that's a little sad to see. But and a lot of their works being cherry picked or or mm-hmm. uh, sort of converted to the new Disney Star Wars right galaxy. Exactly. Yes, I know. I, I I read Splinter of a Mind's Eye back when it was first published, and I yeah, totally I would, yeah. yeah loved it. Uh, but I didn't go too deep and too far mm-hmm. into the lore. Most probably because I blame video games. Probably because all the other <laughs> stuff was happening, and I I just got obsessed with a million other things, comic books and games. Yeah. And were you always into the Star Wars novels and the the? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of in a weird spot where I was born in '92, mm. so after after Return of the Jedi, obviously. Um, but I was introduced to Star Wars by my father. You know, I, I don't remember not being, but mm. also it was a while before episode, the, the prequels came out and I didn't know the prequels were coming out. So for me, sure. it was like Shadows of the Empire was the big kind of thing that got me hooked into Star Wars. Not the game, movies. the book. No, the game. The, the, the game. Yeah. game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then after that, the books kind of came naturally. But like it, it, like some of your younger viewers won't remember this, but like this was a time before I had access to the internet. So for me, I would go to the, the the local chapters, and there'd be a million Star Wars books. Sure, I had no chance of following the entire continuity. I just picked one up and read it, and that was kind of 
that was my my life for a long time. Listen, I, I talk about that all the time. How how fortunate we are to have Star Wars on every week and all of these movies. And oh, sure, yeah. sure, we can get and the games like we can get upset about some of the artistic choices. But there was a long time where we only had the original trilogy and uh, whatever we talked about at school and and the, the articles we would read in Starlog about the potential for more and stuff. It mm-hmm. was uh, uh, it was kind of nuts how long we had to wait yeah. back then. I, I still remember seeing the first, like, I I, re- I remember where I was when I saw the Phantom Menace teaser. Yeah. I was only, I would have been only six or seven. Yeah. And like, in hindsight, yeah, it's obvious there's going to be more movies because the the last one they made is called Six and there's only been three. But like, I, I that's one of my like strongest early memories is seeing the tank go over that hill on Naboo and looking over to my mom and being like, this is a Star Wars movie. I just knew instantly. Um yeah, it was it was definitely a different era being That's totally awesome. disconnected. Like you couldn't go on YouTube and see a million people talking about every aspect of production. No. Especially when you're younger or, you know, when you're not as clued in as I was at the time. So it's I I try not to be too nostalgic because obviously it's so cool that we have access to everything at once. Totally. But yeah. There's Definitely a bit of magic to not having the curtain lifted at every opportunity. Yeah, that's the that's the big dilemma now too, right? I I I, uh, I shake my fist at all the marketing that goes out there that spoils everything in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Worse than ever before. That's always been the line mm-hmm. around, about trailers. But Spider Man No Way Home's marketing uh, was just un- atrocious, but mm-hmm. it worked. It got a billion yeah. dollars from people, and so that won't change. In fact, they'll probably spoil more things. As we go yeah. from from here on out, <laughs> almost certainly. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you uh, have just been playing Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker mm-hmm. Saga. You are a lifelong Star Wars fan. What's it mm-hmm. like to uh, to dive into all of those specific episodes and play the game? Yeah. So I I actually wasn't. I I was a little sad because I wasn't on the. I'm usually like on the early playlist for these games. Yep. Like Star Wars Squadrons is like my favorite game of all time, and but. Uh, with with this, I was I you know my Xbox mysteriously moved to New Zealand for a night to uh, to get the game a little early. Oh, did but, it? Um, <laughs> but so I'm not as far. I guess that's just a roundabout way of saying I'm not as far as I would like to be. I've only played through the first three episodes, like uh, Phantom Menace, the, so the prequels. And, I mean, I'm loving it so far, and it's also the most honestly marketed game of all time. I think like you, I feel like you know exactly what you're going to get when you before you play this game this isn't elden ring right it's not even zelda it's like this is a game that i can play with my son and like but i can also spend 100 hours collecting every single thing i want to and it's just charm and fun and it's definitely like a bit of a a love letter to star wars which you know it's fun to just kind of experience it more than anything else i think what have you enjoyed the most out of the prequel stuff that you've seen Oh, I honestly, this is, sounds stupid, but my, I, I think my favorite part is just like running around with the Mandalorian on Naboo, like just doing random things like that. Sometimes you'll have two different characters together. Like you'll have, uh, I saw a funny one where it was like um, adult Darth Vader and kid Anakin and they start talking to each other like nice suit. And he's like, how do I get one? And he's like, just be patient. Um, I, I, I just love all the detail and charm they put into the game. And I think that's got to be my favorite part so far. That's rad. Um, how does it feel to uh, see them kind of, you know, poke fun at mm. some of the moments and some of the choices? I don't know if you've, uh, I guess you wouldn't because it's in this, it's in the second trilogy. But that famous scene where Chewie doesn't get a, hu- a hug. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I've seen that. I've seen a lot of the clips. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I love that. Like, 
I feel like this has always been a series for kids, and it's there's a lot of people who want Star Wars to take itself way too seriously. Yeah, they want it to be like mindless death march all the time, and you know, have have it be more about it. like the war part of Star Wars is in reality a pretty small part of it. It is mostly about kind of the fun and lightheartedness, and it's at this point it's basically a mythos. So if you can't point fun at yourself and be a little uh, like self-referential and a bit silly like what's the point even um so th- that kind of stuff never bugs you it never bothers oh, you no, I, I i love that i i totally love that stuff and like it, i used to i'm sure you remember like the robot chicken stuff in the day or the totally yeah episode. yeah that stuff's great yeah yeah and it's cool that lucas is always i mean we did that on, on electric playground when mm-hmm. we'd go and visit lucas arts we would have them all running around with lightsabers and yeah and have and using force powers and they loved it, and they they would show that kind of stuff off at ca- uh, company meetings and stuff. So there is this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I that's I think the thing with Star Wars that it it grew to becoming uh, you know owned by all of us. It wasn't mm-hmm. just a totally. thing close to the vest of George Lucas, and only he could control. And in fact, when it was like that, it was not at its best. Right? Mm-hmm. It Agreed. needs to be a lot more collaborative. What is your favorite of the Star Wars projects? What's your what's the thing that you hold uh, dearest that's to so you? That's so hard because like I've got the you know I think the logical reality is that The Empire Strikes Back is the best made Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um but my favorite will always be Empire Stri- or sorry did I did I, I meant to say Empire Strikes Back would be the best is the yeah, best made one I That's what you said. Think. Yeah. Um but my favorite's Return of the Jedi. Um I just I love the spaceships like I still remember almost every day coming home and like putting my face up to my CRT television with like all the the, the fuzzies and like counting all the ships flying by and like that's really kind of what brought the obsession to next level um, for me. So that's probably my favorite uh, Then a new hope then kind of, you know, the prequels fall in there. I, I like I really like the Force Awakens as well, but the Mandalorian is really up there for me as well. Um, what is it? What is it about the Mandalorian? Why? Why? Why has that sort of? Uh, I, I agree with you. It's an incredible mm. show. But why, from your perspective, has it kind of? Um, yeah, you, you know, won our hearts. It's it's not like the Luke Skywalker aspect. Um, I, I like that, but it's it's not that for me. It's like the early episodes of season one of the Mandalorian. I felt best captured, kind of the it's it's like a je ne sais quoi almost of like mm. the original trilogy where like him just walking through that town like the dirty town uh all these cr- interesting aliens and you can just it's almost like you can tell how much love has been put into the show yeah. and h- how it's pioneering new technology um it i guess it just it felt more than the sequel trilogy certainly to me like a, it was made by people who really 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 love the universe but also kind of want to do something original now you, you can argue that it devolves into fan service sometimes or whatever else. And I think there are some valid complaints in that definitely. Um, but for me, it's like, it's, it's just, it's just felt right. Like it's hard to put it more than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things with the, uh, the series is that sense of mystery that it, it creates mm-hmm. and also the, the darkness that it's not afraid to explore that mm-hmm. has always been this element of Star Wars. Not, I'm not talking about the Jedi and the Sith. I'm talking about no, the, no. you know, the dark corners and the shadowy figures mm. and the the spies and the you know the the backstabbers. And that's the world that Mando is from. And then he has this huge arc where he starts to see that there's more to his existence than that. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it really is wonderful. Did you feel that way though about Boba Fett? 
the Boba Fett series? So I'm kind of mixed on the book of Boba Fett. I, I'd say that I like it a lot more than most people do. Mm-hmm. I, I actually say do you have to as a Star Wars? No, no, I don't. I definitely <laughs> don't. In fact, for me, if I were to be brutally honest, if I want to make the most money possible as a Star Wars YouTuber, it's negativity. Yeah, um, yeah, I've noticed that too. Every time I, I'm uh, upset by news and I post a rundown with crappy news, mm-hmm. people love to watch that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think for me, it's it, it's it's really partially because I love Return of the Jedi so much, and it's the movie, it's the show that it the show feels a lot like Return of the Jedi to me. I mean, from the I mean, they're literally on Tatooine. I, I love the planet Tatooine, which I know is a weird thing to love. It's a boring yeah. sandball. Yeah, I'm I'm I a just, bit done with Tatooine myself. Yeah, we keep going back to it, and now we're going to go there with Obi Wan here in a second. Yeah, I, I I totally get where you're coming from. I just like the idea that Tatooine is this planet that always has these kind of, you know, the moment in A New Hope where they go into the cantina, it kind of reveals how much is like lurking, kind of like you said, in the dark corners or beneath the surface. We've seen more of that. Sometimes literally, like there's the idea that there's these big, it's like a it's it's like a fantasy world almost. There's these big stretches of desert, and then there's worms under there and dragons and and beasts like in in Book of Boba. I just love that about the planet. I think it's the most kind of it's got this really unique almost like it's got a mix of like a Star Wars feel to it, but also like a, a pulp sci-fi novel in mm. some ways or a mm. pulp fantasy novel. And I just I love that about the planet. Totally overdone, though. Absolutely agree. Well, I mean, um, the, the one cool uh, there were several cool things about the show, but one that really stood out for me is the uh, you, you know the humanity that we saw mm-hmm. in the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah, and, that was great. And, and you know the teeming masses and and the uh, the sort of uh, interconnected uh, quality of the different races and the species that live on, mm-hmm. on Tatooine that all have to kind of coexist. But the Tusken Raiders was really significant. And yeah. I found that even in um, uh, Lego Star Wars, uh, having to beat up the Tusken Raiders just... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel the same. <laughs> it felt weird, you know? It just felt weird to run around and start yeah. blasting them with, with uh, lightsabers and stuff. There's um there's a, se- a sequence in the... I don't know. I'm sure you remember this. The Jedi Academy games. Um, or the Jedi... The Dark Forces and the Jedi Knight and Jedi Academy. There's, there's a sequence in Jedi Academy where you're kind of like unapologetically slaughtering them by the dozens. Yeah. Um, and they're just bad guys. And I did play that after watching the book of Boba Fett, and I definitely felt a little different about it. And I will say, too, mm. the book of Boba Fett is by no means a perfect show. I really like the beginning half of the season a lot more than kind of what came afterwards. Right. Especially I thought the finale was was really, really disappointing. It was clunky, and wasn't it? It was very clunky. Yeah. Um. And I thought the the finale, like I wouldn't even give it a good review, kind of even with how much I like the show. But I, I was also disappointed by kind of the fact that that through line of the Tuscan Raiders and the humanity was kind of dropped. And yeah, that they were all killed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was waiting for there to be a bit more there. It, it, I, I, if they do a sequel to the Book of Boba Fett, I guess that's something mm-hmm. that they can like can pick up that baton again and sort of circle back to that because we obviously mm-hmm. see that Boba Fett, as brutal as he has been, wants to change his ways and be a good leader to the people there. And he, yes. he sort of has become an anti-hero, which is a bit BS, but it's also, it's kind of cool to see change in these characters, you know, and, and to see all of that explored. And I think one of the biggest issues with Boba Fett is that we didn't get any Boba Fett 
and mm-hmm. we just saw little snatches of them, snippets of them in Clone Wars and things like that. Um, or it would have been Clone Wars, or it, you know, little Clone Wars a bit, yeah, little bits and pieces, yeah. Uh, I've got and a that, bit of a theory, and Sorry, we didn't, and we didn't get the the um, the thing that we all dreamed up, which mm-hmm. was going to be cooler than whatever they could do, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I do have a little bit of a theory about that. I think there were probably some changes made to the the structure of the show at some point. Mm. I think kind of the latter half, especially the way the Mandalorian episodes are dropped in there, yeah, suggests that I. Th- don't know if Disney realized that the Mandalorian was going to be as explosively popular as it was. Right. Like the, I think they knew it was going to be popular certainly, but I, that show was like a, a cultural phenomenon, even by star Wars standards. Um, like I see that on my analytics when I, you know, I, I can upload, you know, me sneezing into a Kleenex and it sounds like the Mandalorian and there's <laughs> people want to watch it, but um. <laughs> You make it sound so easy. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. My, my, my theory is that I think they saw the that the Mandalorian season three was going to take some time. They saw that the other shows that they wanted to make were going to take some time, whether because of the pandemic or something else. Yeah. And they wanted to keep the kind of hype for the Mandalorian and for that character and kind of just that period of storytelling up there. So I think... That he sabotaged the show. He basically came in and took yeah, it over. I, th- I yeah. think the show was probably changed a little bit to to keep that kind of hype going. And I, I do think if a season two comes, it's going to be in a much better spot because from now until probably the heat death of the universe, Star Wars is always going to have one show running a year, probably two or three. Mm. Um, so I don't think Boba Fett is ever going to be in that position where it needs to like carry all the Star Wars fans. Um when I was, I did some like some stuff with Star Wars Battlefront Two with the devs and stuff, like yeah. some testing and some playing. And one thing that they kind of talked about is how they felt like the game coming out. It was kind of in a tough position because when Battlefront Two came out, the most recent one, I mean, um, there were no other Star Wars games. So like, rather than just being a really focused tight war game like the past ones were. They had to be a war game. They had to be a hero simulator. They had to be a, a starfighter game because there was nothing else for Star Wars fans. Right. Um, so the lack of focus really hurt that product, in my opinion. And I think kind of the same thing may have happened with the Book of Boba Fett, where it was the only show for a, a pretty decent period after people were really expecting shows. Mm. Um, and because of that lack of focus, it it ended up falling a bit short. So I'm hoping if they do another one, it won't have that same burden. Do you think it's a question of, uh, you know, they've got too many irons in the fire and they're stretching themselves too thin and they're trying to make these uh, these episodes quicker than the movies and mm. they're, they're like trying to cram the content out there and uh, they got sort of caught? Mm. I actually like your idea that they thought like the Mandalorian was so huge, we mm. have to make episode five and six all about the Mandalorian and yeah. they just squished that in, and it did feel completely out of context. And the the snark out there was obviously about the best book of Boba Fett episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boba Fett's not even in those episodes. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I do think. I don't know if it's. I don't know what the cause is. I think maybe it, it, it hurts as a Star Wars fan to say this, but it it seems like the Star Wars really is a big driver for Disney Plus mm. uh, alongside Marvel obviously. Yeah. So, I think they probably see in like pure harsh capitalistic economic senses like 
Star Wars needs to be this. So it's like there is a sacrifice of the creative vision, I think. Sure. Um, and I think it it's like that's the reality of making anything. Like, and that's part of the reason why A New Hope is so special as well. Um, because that obviously George Lucas was under crazy constraints, but he made something that was so unique and kind of without too much intervention. And then, of course, after he basically did it all himself, then, you know, also great. But uh, we also see, like, I think it's pretty clear that something similar happened with Episode Nine, Yeah. Where where that movie was a total mess. And if the goal of making an Episode Nine was to make the best Episode Nine creatively, it would have been pushed back probably two or three years. Um but you know the economic realities dictated otherwise, and that ended up resulting in, in my opinion, some people like the movie, and I, I never try to to poop on anyone who likes something. But that ended up resulting in a, in a lesser product. I, I think probably the same thing happened with the book of Boba Fett. If I were to guess, I do think that Episode Five um, was probably meant as a or the, whatever the first episode was of the Mandalorian. Yeah, I do think that was probably meant to be season one or season three, episode one of The Mandalorian. And then it got kind of shuffled around a bit. Holy moly, yeah. I, that makes total sense, because it didn't make sense that yeah. it just he just took over the show in the middle of the season. What are your mm. uh, predictions and expectations for Obi-Wan? I don't know. I, I'm kind of of two minds about it, where the Obi-Wan show that I would like to see, I don't think makes any money, because it's very introspective. Um mm. I don't love the idea of, and I'm going to say spoiler alert, but I, I think they've kind of confirmed it. It seems like, and again, spoiler alert, Obi-Wan and Vader will probably have some sort of meeting in the yeah. show. We'll probably yeah. have a, a lightsaber fight even. And I'm open to that idea, but it's probably not the show that I would have made. Right. Um, I would have, I think my, my show would have been very flashback heavy. You know, Hayden and Ewan still look as they did in the prequels with a little bit of makeup, so it would have been lots of that. Um, but, I mean, I'm still excited. I think it's going to be great. So you would have uh, said it earlier then and maybe not locked it to Tatooine? I think what I would have done is I would have had Obi-Wan physically locked onto Tatooine, but then kind of had flashbacks looking at the Clone Wars, maybe have a bit more of Anakin's fall. They might do that. I think they probably will do that yeah. to an extent. Yeah. yeah. Especially and, where they have like an Ahsoka actress now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is what about nuts. you? I'm, cur- I'm curious to your thoughts about it though. Uh, well, I, I honestly haven't been thinking too much about it because I, I kind of just want to be taken for the ride with the show. Um, but I feel like this could be a, a real turning point for like the the core of star wars Mm -hmm. you know the skywalker saga which we're just talking about in lego form right here Mm -hmm. he's a central character like he is a linchpin right and anakin is he is star wars he is like the birth of the whole franchise in a way right so (laughs) to to just casually drop him in it feels Mm -hmm. like they're likely going to make a darth vader show i don't think they're going to just drop uh, Hayden back in for a couple of episodes. They're probably yeah. negotiate. I mean, they've got an amazing Darth Vader comic run with Marvel. There's lots of like I would love to see what is it, Doctor Af? Yeah, Doctor Afra. Yeah, Afra. There's so much that they can do if they start pivoting in with these characters. I also want them to make a, a young, you know, Luke show, mm-hmm. and maybe not with Mark Hamill. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe not having to f- sort of force Mark Hamill to be a part. I not I wouldn't be opposed to that, but yeah, uh, yeah, 
So yeah. I guess that, that's what I'm thinking. It's like this is the it, uh, the clandestine way to scrub some of the bad taste in people's mouths that happened with the sequel trilogy. But I also feel like if this is successful, because I happen to love those characters from the sequel trilogy, I think that it's a too. really That's awesome job. Yeah, they cast awesome actors and they made interesting mm -hmm. characters. I love Force Awakens. That that was just it felt amazing to Me too. to go yeah. to that movie. Um, there was lots of interesting elements in seven, and there were or in in uh, eight, and there was lots of interesting elements in nine. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they were like they were fighting each other. Those two movies, it was so weird. Yeah, absolutely. It's like nine was almost a response to eight in a way that it's not kind of enjoyable as a fan to watch. And I totally agree in that I absolutely love the characters, and that's why I listen. Episode seven also has major problems. It's it's, it's a re, it's a soft remake. Yes, um, you but... really notice that playing Lego Star Wars. You yeah. re, you really do. Yeah, because they sure. made they made an awesome Force Awakens Lego Star Wars game that was really fun. But mm -hmm. to yeah, to to see them all next to each other and then to do the mm -hmm. trench run again in mm -hmm. in uh, Force Awakens, it's like. Yeah, this is just too much, man. It's too much like episode four again. And I was willing to accept that totally because the characters they introduced were so likable and so compelling. Yeah. Um, that like I, I was willing to look past pretty much all of that if episode eight delivered and people are going to be debating whether it did until, again, the heat death of the universe. Uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, so. Well, that's, the same that, I, that, that's the elephant in the room. Do you think eight delivered? Are you a fan of eight? So I guess how I would describe it is I'm a fan, I'm a fan of the story, but not the plot. Mm. I like, I like thematically a lot of what the episode, what the, what the, uh, what the movie did. I was, I'm an, I'm a pretty new dad. I've got a three-year-old. That's also why I love the Mandalorian so much. Yeah. Um, you got your but, own baby Yoda. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the, I, I really love the kind of, I, I think fa uh, fatherhood is the central theme of Star Wars, and not just biological fatherhood either. Like George Lucas has adopted children, um, and I. So I really like the idea of like failure is like an opportunity for those who come next to learn. I mm. love that. Mm. I don't love. I don't love the the plot. I don't love Snoke being killed necessarily. I don't love like what what movie did you make after Episode Eight? I don't know. Um, yeah, he ended it. Yeah. He, he I, that's that's the biggest I know when you really boil it down it's like there's there's no rebel force left everybody's yeah. dead and uh how the you know and Luke is dead so yeah hope is dead <laughs> yeah exactly. good night everybody <laughs> so it's like I, I think about the movie in like a an out there sense yeah of like uh, you know, and it's and it's a very very well made movie as well. Yes, it but is. I can't like a lot of what the plot is. As much as I like the themes and the like, I said the story versus the plot is yep. probably how I put it. Yeah, so, every yeah. every sort of mission is a failure. Yeah. In that movie, isn't it? Like yeah, Ray going to sure. Luke to <laughs> get his help fails. Mm. The, the Canto Bite mission, which is forty five minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, way too long. <laughs> fail that has nothing poe fails mm -hmm. you know hold uh, holdo dies fails 
This kid, it, I mean, she kills herself in a Akbar dies. Akbar dies <laughs> off screen. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. We're we're relitigating. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's uh, pivot a little bit here because okay, I know sure. you've been watching uh, the Halo series, and I just started watching it yesterday. Okay. There there is a lot of venom. I don't. I didn't call up any footage or anything like that because uh, mm. you know it's They're all very, happening. Yeah. Claim and, heavy. And they claim everything. We right, talked a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. You have to be careful on the YouTubes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Halo, what do you think of the show uh i don't like it <laughs> it sucks because I'm, I'm a huge huge halo fan yeah um like i'm i'm 30 so like i'm pretty much the perfect age to like have gotten in early like i i bought i, I remember buying halo before i knew what halo was i thought it was a, like a like a call of duty type game um so i bought it because everyone was talking about it i've been kind of absolutely in love with it it and star wars are my two big things yeah and i think the show is okay but it sucks that after 15 years they've been trying to make the show i'm sure like how many times did you cover potential halo show on reviews on the run man (laughs) or on ep many many (laughs) many times yeah yeah Yeah. and like yeah so it's it's disappointing that after 15 years and more of trying that we got this and mostly just because it doesn't feel like Halo to me. Um, mm. And yep. I've only watched the first episode. And mm. uh, the one thing that I do like about it is that, like The Mandalorian and like mm. The Expanse, mm-hmm. they've all been influenced by Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, and for you sure. Can, you can absolutely feel that sort of commitment to grittiness and um, shock and explosive moments. Mm-hmm. Um and they, those are fun. Those are really fun. They also, I think, have some tip of the hat to Star Trek shows as well, right? Like mm-hmm. a real sense of like trying to figure out the society and, and how people will get along and the different vantage. But it's not, there's a political sort of streak yep. through all of it as well. So yep. intellectually, I think there's some interesting work in there. And there's some pretty cool visual effects that tie to the game mm-hmm. um i like that the camera pivots into master chief's camera for a couple you know which is kind it's of like cheesy a, but i'm glad they do it <laughs> yeah me too it's kind of like the doom movie the it's doom, like, yeah yeah totally. well, if you're not gonna do that like what why did you license why even the, make a video game yeah yeah, yeah so. totally so i i kind of dug that um but i think you're right it doesn't feel enough like the lore but i i also feel like bungie and 343 kind of painted themselves into a corner by keeping everything a freaking mystery even halo infinite which i love it's great it's game of the year it's it's very um uh, you know ambivalent it's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't define everything there's yeah. some n- nice surprises but most of halo is like a head scratch it's like what is that why is it why does everybody hate each other why is everybody killing who are these characters what are they yeah. doing? yeah so i i guess what and I, yeah i totally agree and I, I think your I think your Battlestar Galactica comparison is is spot on. And I, I think as much as I do love Battlestar Galactica, it's one of my favorite sci-fi shows or just shows. Period. Yeah, that's kind of not what Halo is. Um, like for me, I, I always say Halo is like a, a pulpy sci-fi book come to life almost. Mm. Like it's a mix of, it, especially if you read like the early tie-in novels, but even right. if you just play the games, it, it, it's military science fiction. It, that doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, 
And I think for one, the games kind of got away from that. And I think that's kind of why people have been less engaged in the story. They've turned more into kind of a star Wars or a space fantasy or right. even um, whatever else. But like halo is at the, at, at the core, a military science fiction show where you've got a group of characters who are trying to survive this kind of infinite threat, the covenant. And as the property has matured, um, there's been added complexity. The UNSC, the good guys, they're not always perfect. And they did some really shady stuff. They kidnapped all these people as kids. They experimented on them. You know, they've killed in the insurrectionists. Like that all exists. But like my main problem with the show is, and I, I felt like this after episode one, it feels like they're trying to speed run all of these kind of concepts that only really work in a universe that's been as laid out as Halo the proper Over years. is. Yeah, Ex right. Exactly. Like, you need yeah. to establish the Covenant as a big threat. You need to build up the Spartans before you try to deconstruct them, mm. like even episode one of the show does. That's kind of my main problem. What a challenge it is for the property um, ambassadors, you know, for the people that get the rights to do that. Because they... It, I mean, it, it, it's really a tough task because they know that the they need the people that already know a lot of this stuff to tune in. They probably resign themselves to thinking, if you don't know Halo, if you don't play Halo, you're not watching. You know, this isn't going to be the thing that converts you to being a Halo fan. And Halo is not what it once was either, which is the... Right. But it... it because they go in with that attitude, yeah. they don't make a show that works on any level in a way, right? And that's like trying yeah. to thread a needle in an impossible type of situation. I, I th And I agree, but I also think that they could have been more confident in the source material, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I was a little bit maybe dismissive of what Halo is, but I think there's a reason why, you know... Not that many people know what Doom's story is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, not that many people know what... Like, a first-person shooter can just be a first-person shooter. And Halo could have just been a, a vehicle to to kill aliens. But I think there's a reason why so many people connected with the story. It's the music. It's the sense of wonder. Right. It's all of these things which I feel like the showrunners didn't recognize the the beauty of to be honest and like sure. the thing that i've said to a lot of people is if you played halo when the game was relatively new i can almost guarantee you remember stepping off the escape pod for the first time onto halo for the first time yeah and like that is what if i were the halo showrunner that's probably what i would have liked to capture and i would have honestly i would have been more confident in the source material because I think do, there's a reason it's so popular. Do you think the show is unsalvageable or do you think they're working towards... Because I'll tell you what, like if a mm -hmm. show gets to a second season, not always a third season, right? Because mm -hmm. there's if you're making mistakes all the way along, but if the, the showrunners get a chance to get to a second season, you often see that embellishment and that sort of tying things back. I remember Arrow's second season. Yeah. Um, just got way stronger and mm -hmm. you know the flash i think also you know there's lots of shows that we yeah, can point sure. to do you do you think halo can do that or is it too far gone and and i i've only seen the first episode and so my question really is like yeah I won't are you anything. are you gonna stay with it or have you given up so uh, i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it i don't know if you'll like this answer you'll dislike it yeah it's unsalvageable as the show that i wanted mm. um it will never be my halo show mm. But I don't think it's going to be bad. I don't like. I don't think it's unsalvageable as a good show. So right. I think it could still be good. Right. But it won't be. You know, 
it'll be a show that has a halo coat of paint not kind of what i would want and listen that's totally fine because i'm just one nerd you know there's the show has to appeal to a million nerds right so I am going to watch the entire series. Um, I've waited, you know, 20 years for this. I'm going to watch it. Yep. I, like I'm, I've enjoyed Peter Jackman was on there uh, for a long time. And then yeah, Neil... And, um, um, District... Uh, yeah, what's his name? Neil uh, Blomkamp? Neil Blomkamp, yeah. Yeah, that would have been a show I would have liked to... Or yes. a movie I would have loved to have seen. He gets screwed over and over again. <laughs> he had Alien. I think he was on Predator for a while. Yeah, and he's had it. That's why he's always building his own studios and doing his own things. And the funny thing is, like, there are they've Halo's experimented with shorts in the past, especially right um, trailer shorts. There's one that they put out for Halo Three ODST, yeah, that is brutal and visceral, and that can't be your whole show. But I think that that's closer to my vision of what Halo could look like, right? Um, where you know it's less focused on interpersonal relationships early on. Of course, you can introduce the conflict for Master Chief's humanity early on, but I think. Mm-hmm. I think you got to establish the covenant are uh, an existential threat to humanity. And like this war is seeing our cities or planets turn to glass. And then there's this mega structure. And like that, I think is enough to carry the early seasons of the show without having to, you know, look to, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for you. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, I, I think, how is the, how is it doing? Like it's probably the most important thing for Paramount Plus right now. Is it doing well? Like, are 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 there a lot of new subscribers, a lot of viewers for the service? That's the, that's the hardest thing to tell. Like, I, I try to talk about that stuff on my channel sometimes to mm-hmm. get a look at, you know, how well something is doing, and you know, there's no Nielsen box anymore for these no. streaming services. Nielsen no. does try, but these numbers are really tightly locked down. Paramount Plus said that it was their most successful premiere to date, but like, I what don't that know mean? what, <laughs> like, what were you up against? Because like, I think like even the Star Trek shows are premiere on cable, so I don't think that counts either. Right, and Yellowstone's I, I know on that cable they've, too. They've actually said season two is coming, but they've also lost their showrunner, so it's like, oh wow, yeah. Well, I mean, we we see. A, do you watch the Star Trek stuff? Not really, no. Because that also has a lot of detractors. I have a lot of friends that are huge Star Wars fans that just hate what is going on with Discovery and Picard and everything. Mm-hmm. But there's there is an embellishment of the universe, and they're making enough money and they're mm-hmm. getting enough viewers that they keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, so, I feel like if this has the viewership and the eyeballs, Halo isn't going away. Halo is going to slowly yeah. become potentially movie and tv shows and uh, you know Which, you know that's good and i think they've somewhat you know they've there's been all the talk about the silver timeline so they still could do uh i worry about like the average fan the average person who sees halo isn't going to care whether this is the 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 game's timeline or this alternate timeline that they're talking about now yeah um but i've also heard this i'm, I'm I, I admit besides for the original series i'm not a big star trek guy um, but I've heard that those shows have improved quite a bit too, especially Discovery. Yeah, um, I'm a fan so, of Discovery. I'm not. I'm not so hardcore with Star, Star Trek right. that I can't just appreciate. Again, yeah. another show that absolutely borrows from Battlestar Galactica. BSG. It was so influential in this mm-hmm. world. Yeah, I, I'm. More, I'm wondering how the remake of BSG is going to come. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it's just it's. I, I I think there's there's potential for a lot that's good there. I do think. 
it feels to me like they took they liked the idea of Halo, but thought that it was maybe a little too geeky. Yeah, and like they wanted to make it appeal a bit broadly, and I think it's lost a bit of its heart that way. But despite, I can't help but love Pablo Schreiber. I, I, I believe that's his name. Who plays yep. Master Chief? Yeah, I love all the uh, and. Th- they're actually pulling from, like we talked about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Halo actually has a pretty well-developed ex- Expanded Universe as well. And they've kind of been slowly pulling lots of interesting stuff from there. Like Perengowski, who's, I, th- I think she was in episode one. She's like one of the, she's the admiral. Uh, she appeared in the books. Um, there's some locations that you'll see in episode two that appear in the books. That's uh, so Halsey cool. originally was a book character. Um, Halo is very different from Star Wars in that the games actually directly incorporated a lot of what came in the books into their material, especially like Halo Reach, whereas Star Wars, Coruscant came from a book beforehand and a few other things, but largely they were kind of their own separate things. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, that's so cool. It was Lucasfilm then, so the Coruscant didn't appear in the prequels until it had already been in a novel. Yeah, so... Hmm. So I'll put a little bit. George Lucas had the idea for an, a, a planet that would. Uh, it was called Had Abaddon, and that okay. was kind of that's where the the climax of Re- uh, Return of the Jedi would have been on this imperial world, not unlike Coruscant, a, a, an imperial city. So um, a, a city world. Yes, maybe yes. not a city world, but a world with a very big city, at least. Gotcha. Um, like Los Angeles. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it probably probably less smoggy, but um, yeah. less rats as well. Yeah. But uh, George Lucas, or sorry, um, I, I can't remember. I think it was uh, Timothy Zahn in the original Thrawn trilogy, Heir to the Empire, introduces Coruscant as a planet. And that book came out, I think, in 1992. Mm. So a full seven years before it appeared on screen. So much so that and it's kind of funny because a lot of these things that you know are ubiquitous now, like the name Palpatine, for example, yeah, that never appears in until episode uh, episode one where he's the senator, um, but it was in the original novelization. So it's kind of funny because if you go listen to a Star Wars audiobook back in the day that's covering, say, the Thrawn trilogy. It's not Coruscant and Palpatine. It's Coruscant and Palpatine because oh. they didn't even know how to say the words yet. That's amazing. Um, so there's like about a dozen or there's like a bunch of little things that first appeared in the expanded universe, you know, back in the 90s or even earlier, which ended up um, affecting the movies. But I think the, the more interesting thing is these kind of foundational things about how the universe actually works, like how the ships fly, um, all these things that if you're reading Star Wars books nowadays or looking at any of the reference books or getting really into the things they're kind of all built off the same stuff which as like I'm an, I'm a, I'm a nerd obviously I like to go back and kind of see how these things tie together where one thing comes from sure um so I thought I, it's 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 there's a lot that's cool there I, I can see it and I uh, I hear it in your voice and I'm wondering <laughs> you've pivoted to this being your f- obsession and your hobby and your your escape from mm-hmm. the realities you used to be a lawyer yeah. uh, what it what is it uh you know like now to to make it your job do you still get the same joy out of this stuff or is it a bit exhausting or do you, are you still inspired by all of it uh, it's 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 hard because there are it is it is exhausting sometimes and I don't know if the same joy is there, but I, I think that might also just be kind of 
getting older and mm. like it's hard to capture that joy for anything and that's like why i try not to be too harsh on on anything whether it's the halo tv show whether it's the a new halo game or a new star wars game it's like i'm expecting these things that i loved when i was a, a kid you know like i'm saying i want this game to make me feel like uh, when i played halo one for the first time but i could never be nine years old again you know what i mean sure um but it, uh, in a way i don't like like when i have time off i don't do as many star wars things as i would have otherwise but there are definitely still moments where I was almost sleepless before the Mandalorian season two finale. Mm. And that had nothing to do with my job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And... I don't think you can fake that stuff, right? Like you got to show up yeah. with, it's got to be in you, but certainly it's a different perspective. I, I honestly, you and I were talking a little bit about this. Like mm-hmm. I, I discovered a long time ago with EP that if I was just focused on one or two things, I would start to go. I mean, that's why we started covering movies and TV shows yeah. Like I love video games, but I can't just make my whole thing about video games. I can't just be playing games all the time and talking about video games all the time. That's why I review movies and mm-hmm. you know talk to people that build different things. Um, but I, you know, I think if you have a passion for anything and then it becomes your job, it can really yeah. screw your connection to it yeah. up a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think kind of one thing that I've learned as I've I've only been doing this for four years, but I mean, YouTube as a job hasn't been a thing that people have been doing for a long time or five years. So mm. I feel like I'm starting to learn a lot. Um, I try not to look at the numbers. Um, and especially if I'm doing something that I'm passionate about, like Elden Ring was, I did a, a lore video on Elden Ring and I mm. know you played that game. So you know how it's amazing. Of, yeah. Yeah. In, in, absolutely incredible game. And that was a video where I was so passionate about it and it was really a labor of love for me and I spent a lot of time doing it. And when I put that video out, I didn't care whether it did well or because I was just happy that I was doing something I cared about. Um, And Star Wars still gets me like that sometimes, a lot of times, but there's also kind of the reality of, I got to make a video today and I really don't want to. I got (laughs) to read this book. I really don't want to. which I'm sure, I'm sure. How many games have you had to play through that? Well, actually, I um, because I, we're not uh, like a full squad, and I don't have other reviewers, and mm-hmm. we, I I don't have the luxury or the time. I mean, I don't have the time to review everything, and so yeah. you know that means that I play less crappy things. You know, and I don't know if there's less crappy things that are getting made, but. Um, I, I certainly don't, don't so. <laughs> I, I don't search them out, you know, like I don't go mm-hmm. on to Steam and say, well, what's the crappiest game here? You don't here? have to review every Wii shovelware title anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but I kind of miss that too, because that mm-hmm. was a really fun way to create content. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, as a solo creator right now, I can't, I just can't do tons and tons of stuff. And what keeps me sane is that, uh, you know, I'll bounce from a TV show to a movie to a yep you know, a, a, an app or a laptop or, you know, headphones to tons and tons of games. So uh, it's always different. And uh, I always try to, you know, be as fresh as I can when I when I approach reviewing all of this stuff. But yeah, sometimes, yeah. you know, like I, I bring up this all the time, like when The Last of Us 2 came out and then Sony sent me the code for Ghost of Tsushima, mm-hmm. like, a, like a minute after I finished the review, I was like, 
I don't know if I can do this again. I, and then, I need to play Animal Crossing for a bit. <laughs> yeah. I can't kill any more video people, any more digital people. Uh, but then I fell in love with Ghost of Tsushima too. But yeah, there's yeah. definitely times where it's like, okay, I need a break from this stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with that. And that's kind of the limit. And there's a lot of, again, this was something I was surprised to learn when I started my job. There's a lot of people who do kind of my job for a living, even within Star Wars. You know, there are probably 20 Star Wars YouTubers who do this full time. Yeah. And I am very, very grateful that I didn't call myself Star Wars Ladder yeah. or Star Wars videos or like whatever. Yeah. Because I already feel when I'm in a movie, less so now, but when I was starting out, I felt a bit of anxiety about the movie being good or not not because as a fan i wanted it to be good which obviously i did yeah because i gotta talk about this for the next year so if yeah. fans are interested i'm in big trouble <laughs> yeah i know a, a a transformers youtuber and boy mm -hmm. has, has that person been on a roller coaster with mm -hmm. the, the transformers projects that have come yeah. out over there. <laughs> that's awesome so um you know let's end this with a and thank you for joining me for this. This was a really fascinating conversation, and it, and it's awesome to talk to somebody that's uh, been able to, you know, build this cool career focusing on things that they love. Um, let's talk a, a, a little bit about um, games right now. And, oh yeah, please. Yeah, and what? And I and let's keep it into Star Wars. Okay, you, sure. Okay, um, we've got uh, Lego Star Wars out right now, and and looks like a force of, uh, a. Um, uh, Jedi Fallen Order 2 coming yes. up this year. Yeah. What is the Star Wars game that you are dying to be made that you really love and would would uh, or you haven't seen? Like what what is the the video game universe what haven't they gifted you yet? It's it's really hard with Star Wars because there's been, you know, so many games. I feel like pretty much everything has been hit and the games that I want exist in some form, but need to be better. You know what I mean? Mm. So one of my favorite games of all time, easily, that that flew largely under the radar was Star Wars Squadrons. And I think we talked about this a little bit before before we started. Yeah. That, that was my dream game. I bought a flight stick for that game. There was an incredible... A lot of people don't realize, but that game, it's, it's very tight mechanically. So it developed a real online community um, that still exists to this day. Kind of dead on arrival though nowadays because no live service attached. There was six maps and um, one game mode, and that's it. So it's incredible that it's managed to live on. But like with that game, I threw a twenty thousand dollar tournament because I was like, I really I care about this so much. I want to get sponsors. I want to do all this. So like that's the game for me. That and I play a lot of squadrons and a lot of Star Wars Empire at War, which is still alive through the modding scene. You're a huge spaceship guy, right? Of course they huge made it for you. Spaceship guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I love squadrons too. It it uh, it it completely blows me away. But it doesn't have the biggest online community. Every time no. I log in, whether I'm on PC because I've got it on my Steam Deck and I play it on the Steam Deck every once in a while, it's an amazing game. And it do you is. play it in? Do you play it in VR or do you play it? Uh, I, flat I don't screen? because it, it hurts my neck, honestly, to uh, play it in VR. Um, but like I was like that was the game where I was fully committed to to like I got we used to stream that every day. Cool. Um, it was it was it was my dream game, and it was it was a, the dream game for a lot of people out there. The old X Wing and Tie Fighter games, you know made in the 90s they still have active player those like are the, amazing the flight sim and the uh, it's more of an arcade sim but the the flight community is very tight and they'll play a game for a long time um 
So yeah, Squadrons was it was so, like a so Squadrons two, you Squadrons two. Yeah, yeah pl- please Disney and Lucasfilm and EA. Yeah, make yeah. make more of that. Would you say you make more of that over Dead Space? Because it's motive. Mm. Or are you super yes. psyched for Dead Space? Yes, I'm super psyched for Dead Space, but Squadrons is probably ignoring nostalgia of like you know Mario sixty four, Sim Cities four, Sim City four. Squadrons is probably my favorite video game of all time, right up there with Halo Three. That's awesome. Um, there's nothing like it in like, especially if you play competitive with a full squad. There's nothing like you know your buddies on the Y wing and you're covering him in an A wing, and the two X wings are running interference. Like when I hosted these tournaments, there were these esports teams that like squadrons for a while was basically their job so to see the level of communication and strategy why didn't they stay with that i mean to hear the passion that you and and your colleague like why didn't ea and lucasfilm just stay on it and keep making new maps and i honestly think it was an opportunity cost thing yeah where it was the double a price point that got them in the door right like this will be a double a development cost um i think COVID probably messed up development a bit but like like I talk to the lead dev on that game all the time. I played Squadrons with like Sam Witwer. Like people love this game and it it's it's interesting because it's very much like a Halo game at the heart of it in that it's very tight mechanically. It's you know, it's equal map, it's you know, one team versus one team, heavy coordination, all about positioning. And I think that EA, to be honest, is incredibly stupid. For and just Star Star Wars hasn't had an esports ready game, right? Besides for Squadrons, and it's 2022. Esports have literally never been popular, more popular than they are now. Yeah. Um. One of my biggest regrets is not hosting the tournament that I did earlier on in the game's life because, not saying that I could have done anything to change the fate of the game, I don't think I could, but I may have made EA aware of like the potential that really exists in a. And again, I'm 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 not trying to overinflate my ego here whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but well, I know another guy that works at the gaming stadium in in Vancouver. They're, they're they work with a, us. Yeah. Yeah, they're a partner of ours, and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they were just fired up around squadrons. Was were yep. were you the person that reached out to them to make that all happen, or how did that um, work out? I think it was a member of my production team who reached out to them. Yeah. Because like we had a we had a full we had a, we had for one actual like esports casters we had we, we had like some and again I, i'm not this isn't something that i can brag about because i just assembled the team they did all the incredible stuff yeah but like we had uh full kind of new ways to broadcast the game we had graphics made up and it's kind of interesting because i'm disappointed in what i see with halo infinite because that's another game where there's infinite potential but it feels like it's being mismanaged mm-hmm. i reached out to the gaming stadium and we secured sponsors and everything else we wanted to do um uh we basically i signed a contract essentially for 12 more tournaments this time for halo infinite and there's just no interest in the game right now yeah um yeah it's content it's a real commitment from the studios right it's like you Mm -hmm. you can't half-ass the live service idea you've got to you've got to go in all in on it and do you think it muddies the water when there's a price point and it's live service do you think that's that's sort of the slippery slope should they just pick a lane I think for squadrons, they should have been free to play right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and like squadrons is one of those games where you couldn't, it had no store. They they did have a couple of content drops. Like the, the B wing was a surprise content drop um, that people right. were expecting. Yeah. Um, but 
like there were people who wanted to give that game money and they couldn't uh what i what i would have done if i could go back with the knowledge i have now is made the campaign kind of the the paid point of entry like halo was done now yeah make the multiplayer free uh purchasable cosmetics and they still might they still might do that but i guess it'll be too late yeah and the problem with the game like squadrons to squadrons is if people have a sense that the game is is not going anywhere they're not going to get invested Mm. so a lot of people played it and were like this is great but in six months from now, it's going to be the same six maps. Right, right. Do I really want to spend, you know, a thousand hours and get really good at this game to, for it to kind of die off? It, right. There's a real optics issue there, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess that's plaguing a lot of games. And God, that commitment is is no joke, right? On the part oh, of the absolutely. studio. You keep all those seats warm and making new content and, and sort of connecting with the community. Totally. Crazy. Uh, Justin, uh, th- it's been awesome having you on the show. I know we can Thank keep you. talking for hours, um, so that means that we have to have you back at some point. So yeah, uh, I I wanted to give you a huge thank you, Vic. I mean, I I mentioned this to you in uh, in a DM, but I've been a huge fan of kind of everything you've done for a long time. I I remember getting digital cable back in the day. I didn't realize that there were, you know, I'm not that old, obviously, but I didn't realize there were nerds like me out there. Uh, I live in Halifax. It's not the biggest market ever, but the day that I got G4 Tech TV on cable, it it was kind of life-changing. I used to watch reviews on the run and Electric Playground and other shows like X-Play and, and Leo Laporte, like seeing that every day, like that, I would not be where I am today without that. Uh, and like, if I could go back and tell, you know, 16 year old me that we'd be having a chat right now, he'd be, I mean, <laughs> I'm still blown away. So it's, it's been, it's been awesome. I, I also, I know I mentioned this, but I found an email I sent to, to you guys back in the day when you were hiring for, uh, hiring for interns, which is kind of funny. Um, so yeah, this has been a very, very cool, uh, very cool experience for me. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate the long support, my friend, and, and uh, we knew we built something special, but, you know, we, we uh, didn't know that it was impacting people in quite these interesting ways, and we didn't have technology like this to be able to just easily get online together and share mm-hmm. conversations like this, and so I'm equally impressed and uh uh, you know, really taken aback by how much things have grown and changed and all of these unbelievable technologies that allow people to just keep making cool shows and reaching people in, in awesome ways. And clearly, you figured that out without, without having to be an intern for Electric Playground. So congratulations, my friend. It's, it's so cool to see where everyone who you've you've worked with kind of is now. Like I see Marissa on, um, on TSN. And yep. Other, like, it's just, it's so cool how many careers have been springboarded. And I just... I it's I, I think Canada especially needs more of that. I, I would I'd love to see kind of more of that for Canadians and like I like really like what you're doing now on YouTube. I think it's phenomenal and what the gaming stadium is doing. So yeah, just wanted to, oh, to express my appreciation. Anytime anytime you need me, I'm here. Well, Obi Wan is coming up, so I, I think <laughs> yeah. that's probably our our, our next uh, point to connect. And I'd maybe to, uh... maybe I can get Sam uh, Whitwer and and David Collins, and the four of us can have a big old Star Wars Sam nerd Whitwer fest. Is a very very good squadrons player as well. He's a dope guy. He's an awesome dude, uh, and so are you. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you.
All right. Thanks for being here. And everybody, John Yamtov and, and Alpha Cat Zero and 16 Bitten, I see you guys all chatting there. Thanks for being here on the show. Thank you to all of our audio listeners out there. Remember to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash EPN TV, and follow the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash EPN. Thanks for your support, everybody. We will see you soon. And until then, play forever. <laughs>